0: Welcome to the Business of Influence podcast. I'm your host, Karen White. If you're a creator or a community maker looking to expand your influence, increase revenue, profit, and productivity, you're in the right place. Join me every Tuesday to learn strategies to elevate your career as a professional influencer. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. Now let's get started. Email marketing might not be at the top of your list when you're thinking about expanding your influence and making money. This week, Peter from Professional Babe and I are going to turn this thinking upside down. Do you want a $55,000 launch selling something that's yet to exist? Or maybe even a $21,000 launch from a subscriber base of less than 100 people? It is all very possible with email. Peter and I are going to talk about all the juicy stuff email marketing can do even for influencers and content creators that are just starting out or even yet to start there's some great freebies and resources to help you along the way and we'll cover those off at the end of the episode but let's start first by introducing Peter Saris our guest an email marketing expert for today's episode. Peter is the founder of Professional Babe, and in her own words, she describes herself as a butter enthusiast, a super Virgo, John Ham's future wife, and an expert business fondler. Yes, expert business fondler. Peter's been with a lot of people and she is happy to kiss and tell. Over 500 business owners have trusted professional babe with their business. So you know you're about to get your growth game on with experienced hands. Peter's methods are sticky, they're scalable and profitable. And her focus is on working with businesses and small businesses like you, influencers and content creators to boost your profit and streamline your business so you're finely tuned to make money. Now, before claiming her email unicorn status, Peter's background was coming up with 470 ways to weave a dick joke into an article. Her words have been splashed on the pages of big-name glossies like Marie Claire, Women's Health, Fitness Magazine, and Good Health, just to name a few. And when you check out Peter's Instagram, at Professional Babe, you'll see that gorgeous editorial feel to the content that she produces. Peter has self-paced programs like Give Good Email, of which I'm a graduate of, wet patch content, plus she does one-to-one consulting in Level Up Your Business Shit and The Ultimate Rockstar Experience. She provides that expert-level fondling to satisfy any insatiable business itch. Listen in as Peter gives us some surprising and valuable insights on why every influencer should be using email marketing to drive revenue and efficiency in your business. And she also outs me for my choice of breakfast. You'll find Peter's freebie, shit hot email content planner, plus all the ways to fondle her on her Instagram at professionalbay. Of course we'll also include all the delicious links in the show notes for today's episode. Now let's get started. Peter, coffee, cats, margaritas and John Ham's future wife. I don't know how we can beat an introduction with like that ever again. So I want to start out by talking about what drew you to email marketing and how did you become an expert in the
1: field? Oh, interesting. So it's so funny. I've had like businesses my whole life. So, well, not my whole life, but for the past 15 years. And it's interesting that when I had my studio, I didn't use email, but it was when I had a stint in network marketing and my personal sales were so high. So I was traveling around Australia and you know, how we were taught to basically build a business, I was like, this is just not scalable. And I felt like I was tearing my hair out with, you know, all of this additional work. So I had created an onboarding sequence purely out of my own. I was going to like a little bit laziness, but also for the fact that I wanted to get out there, I wanted to sell. And I could just see like after I'd sent that first email and people had then gotten into the sequence that, I had so much spaciousness in my week to a point where I thought that something was wrong because no one was actually messaging me on Instagram. And it wasn't that anything was wrong. It was that the sequence was just doing such a good job that my admin time was cut down by hours a week. And I was basically hooked from that point. So, when was that? That was 20, 2018. So, it's still pretty new. <laughs> yeah. And
0: you've used it so effectively then, I love the word spaciousness in your week because that's what email marketing does for you, doesn't it? It gives you these automations and touch points with your clients where you're not constantly in your DMs and having to repeat the same message over and over again. And it takes you away from productive work and working in your business And it probably taps onto that point that I've heard you mentioned in your podcasts and on your website about making money in an easier way. And I'm a big fan of making money because it empowers you to make important decisions in your life and give to others that might need your support and assistance. But it gives you that freedom. And I know you speak a lot about the ROI of email marketing can you give our listeners a little bit of a insight as to how email marketing compares in terms of
1: ROI when compared to digital marketing channels yeah, absolutely. So as you know, being in the industry, everything is like always changing. There is a stat that's going around and it probably will vary by, you know, a couple dollars here or there. But, you know, whenever you invest like $1 into email marketing, you can expect like a $42 return, which is just so high. Like if you think, could you imagine if you invested that in Facebook ads and you had like a 42 like return, you would never turn your Facebook ads off. They would be on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely massive. And people often overlook email marketing. They look at the vanity metrics of your social media fan base and really focus on that metric there, but don't understand that there's much greater ROI in other digital channels. And just before we started recording this podcast, we were talking about someone I know who uses email marketing particularly well and she sells ebooks through her email marketing and every launch, you know generates at least $40,000 for her. So she's a great example of you know why people should use email. We speak about that ROI and that dollar value. Does that hold true for influencers and content creators? So many of them have these really, really powerful and strong social media fan bases. Are you of the view that they should also go in and start creating and developing their own email list and subscriber base?
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely. Because I think, you know, it's, I think sometimes in business and you think about social media, we get like a lot of instant gratification. So, you know, for example, we put a post up, we see people like it straight away. We see people comment and we're used to getting that immediate feedback We can look at email as even like getting really good shares. Like we know that we're going to start to get a return, but if you're in it for the long game, that's when you'll really see the result. And what I love about email is if you're an influencer, you're not just an influencer and you know this, you're a business person and you have a business. It's basically the business of you. And this is just such an amazing way of actually building wealth assets in your business. You know, like you think about it. If you've got a list of 10,000 people, you have data where you could then approach a company and say, hey, we've got 10,000 people, they're predominantly in Australia, here's a bit more information about them, and that's when you actually can start to sell advertising in your newsletter and you can start to actually do stuff behind the scenes and, you know, offer special promotions that mightn't be on social. So it just gives you this incredible scope. And another thing to think about is a lot of the time, like, I don't know if this is still true now, like they want to know with influencers, like the reach, is that right? Like all of the metrics with Instagram often? Yes. Yeah. So like at a minimum with email, you'll get like a 20% open rate minimum. All my clients sit around like the 50 to 70% mark. So, you know, when a company sees that and they see the level of engagement, that's when you can start to charge more money because they're like, wow, this person has this database. They've been here for, ages they open they engage they click we are so happy to put money with this person because they've you know they've done the hard work of building up this incredible database
0: i'm so pleased you said this because you have just said from an email marketer's point of view what i've been saying from a agency point of view for a very long time i spoke about back in episode 350 upsells for influencer campaigns and I talk about using email marketing there as a way for influencers to improve their or increase their revenue and improve that brand relationship because those numbers that you just gave, you cannot achieve those results from social. You cannot get that same level of engagement, right? And it's a different form of communication, isn't it? It it's, seems to be more personable. You can really differentiate your message. You can add links back to brands, uh, tap throughs, all these sorts of things in email marketing that you don't have available through social. So the power of that from my point of view, is definitely underutilized in the influencer marketing space. But those that do know about it know it well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I mean, I I love it. And I'm a huge fan. I send out one email a week, but I've now just changed my schedule to two a week because I'm continuing to see that return on investment in terms of engagement from my community and accessing information. And my subscriber list, I haven't done a lot to build it over the last little while since I've launched this business. And I know that you speak a lot about it's not the size of the list that you have, it's how you use it. Do you want to chat a little bit more about how we can use email marketing well, even if our list size is small, because it's quite different to say social media when you've
1: got a small audience, it's hard to get traction. Absolutely. So the good thing is with email, we don't really have as such an algorithm that we need to adhere to you know, if you send out an email, it's going to be in your subscribers inbox. So they're going to read it unless, you know, and there's, there's a couple like little things with deliverability and just making sure that we can get it to the primary inbox in the first place. But when you do have a smaller audience, like email is just a way to make sure that you are reaching that desired person. Like a good way to look at this is, you know, if you were going out to a bar every single weekend and you always knew that there was this really attractive person that you liked, that's Instagram. Like, you know that they're going to be there. They probably work behind the bar, but email is having their phone number. So you have this direct line of communication to your subscriber, which is, it's just so handy to have. So The cool thing is when we have a smaller list, and this is something that I hear with people a lot, there is this reluctance to kind of begin. They assume like if we imagine an auditorium that there's like 10,000 seats and they've got 500 full and they're like, well, I don't really want to do anything until I've got the rest of the seats full. But what I would encourage people to think about is, you know, Imagine your email list in an auditorium. That is who you're speaking to, because really everyone that you send those campaigns to, they can see them, they can click them, they can open them. You know that it's going to be delivered. And I think that will really change people's perception when if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I've only got 300 people on my list. You would absolutely crap yourself if you were on a stage and you were presenting to 300 people. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think the episode I listened to last night in the Business Fund or your podcast, you were talking about a client that came to you and said, Oh, I've got, you know, a really tiny subscriber list and you thought, Oh gosh, you know, maybe she's got five or ten. And she said I think she had seventy two or seventy seven subscribers on her database and you were able to work some real magic with her to utilize that audience. So she could move forward and sell to her audience. And it was incredible that really the small number can work quite well. I think you even said, if you've got one, you've got one person there to sell to.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, when I first beta launched Give Good Email, I emailed a a segment of 78 people. So, you know, a segment is basically just like a group of subscribers. So for example, if you've got then e-commerce company, a segment could be our US subscribers and then our Australian subscribers. So this segment was just people who had expressed that they were interested in email. And yeah, 77, 78, I can't can't remember off the top of my head. I ended up having like a $22,000 beta launch in a week. And, you know, that's off such a small number of, of people. Incredible, incredible.
0: They're the numbers that stack up in terms of ROI, don't they? And I think you then went on to talk about a $55,000 launch that you had for something you were selling something that didn't even exist yet.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. You know what? Like people are like, oh, I really would love to do that. When you've got an email list, you actually can do really creative things to actually see where your subscribers are at. Like, for example, you're not going to be able to see when people click the link in your profile. You're not going to see if you put like a link on your story, who's actually going and clicking that story. But, you know, if you pop a link in your email, you can then look at your click-through rate and see who's actually clicking it. So it's even a really good way as an influencer to look and see what people are interested in because it can be really hard at times to know, oh, is this going to go well and and I don't, I don't really know how this is going to turn out, but if you kind of have more of an idea, I think this is where you can have like a stronger conviction in your pitch because you will know in yourself that your audience is actually receptive to this. And that's when you know if you're, say, being like, oh, I don't know if I should charge this or this, you might even go to that higher end of the scale because you're like, I have data that I know that they are going to be keen on this. So you'll actually find you'll be able to make more like profitable business decisions because you can work like this.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay, so we're looking at some data. We're seeing more information that we can't access through social. And something you spoke about a little bit earlier too was about list segmentation, the email list segmentation. Can you expand a little bit more on what those list segmentations are and what success you've seen in setting up, say, automations and those drip feed campaigns to set themselves up for success?
1: Sure. So one of my favourite facts is that if you send out like a segmented email you can get up to 760 percent more revenue which just blows my mind and you know if you've got an existing list it's going to be a little tricky where if you are brand new it's it's going to be a little bit easier for you to start, but that's okay the best way that i can kind of explain this is you know i could go out on the weekend and i could have a really hectic night i'm going to tell my mom a different story compared to my favorite barista on my coffee shop compared to my best friend. And the reason they get a different story is because not everything is relevant to them. And it could, you know, alienate them. Mum might be asking like so many questions and they all want different details of the event. And our subscribers are exactly the same. So one of the mistakes that I made, like back when I first started my business, when was this like 2009 with my Pilates studio, is everyone that joined my list, joined my list. And I had a Pilates DVD as well. I taught dancers, I had rehab clients. And when I went to my email list, I couldn't see who was what. All I had was this big group of subscribers and I didn't know my dancers. I didn't know the people who were rehab. I didn't know the people that had come in off the street and bought my DVD. So what it is, it's a way of of grouping our people so we can send relevant campaigns to them. And we all experience this. So, you know, Netflix do this where you might watch horror movies and then they'll send you an email and it's like, here, we've hand selected these for you and it'll be horror movies. The same with e-commerce stores where they might sell, you know, men's clothing, children's clothing, women's clothing, cosmetics, and you only ever buy cosmetics. So they send you campaigns about that and you never hear about men's clothes. So the thing is, and why this is awesome, is the sooner we can do this with our subscribers and send them relevant campaigns, they're always then like, oh, I love when, you know, Sally emails me because every time I open an email from her, I always get something that's really quite relevant compared to say, you know, John that's emailing and John's just sending out whatever's happening in his business, you know, people could open one of John's emails like four emails from him, nothing's relevant. They open and they're like, on that fifth email, that could be so relevant to the subscriber. But they're like, oh, every time John emails me, it's just, it's not even relevant. I'll just delete it. And that's when, you know, we can start to see emails not do too well. And you'll see that reflect in a lower open rate, a lower click rate and lower engagement, higher unsubscribes, and of course, less revenue in the business. So it's a way of us like, really speaking to these groups of people that we have on our list and then sending them like relevant campaigns. So it will affect all of our metrics and all of our revenue goals in return. So how we can do this really simple segmentation ideally should start like at the start of someone's journey with us. So a really good example of this is if you have ever gone onto someone's website and you have downloaded a freebie, okay? So if you go to my website and you download our email content planner, you'll be on my list, but I'll know, okay, they're interested in email because they've come from this way. And then you might join my newsletter. And when I go to your little subscriber profile, I'm like, awesome, you're on my newsletter, but I also can see that you're email curious. So if I have something really email specific that I want to say, this could even be like a, a blatant sales email. This could be Me wanting to do like a a promotion, so for example, give good emails birthday, I might want to put that on social media, but I want to look after my subscribers and I might want to say, here's a 10% off coupon code. Rather than sending that out to my whole list that mightn't be interested in email, it's a way of me, you know, highlighting people and going and sending them specific campaigns on that. And when you were talking about the automations and campaigns being drip fed, that will kind of follow on. So, when someone goes into that freebie that they've been marked, so they're in that little segment. And then from there, ideally, we would have a campaign like a number of campaigns that have been drip fed and this is something that you would do ahead of time you would work out you can make it really fancy with lots of rules personally i love it really simple because i know that when it's out there and it's done it's going to be making me money and i know you love your stats so i've got another one as well <laughs> <laughs> when we have a welcome sequence so this is when someone goes to your website they opt in into your list so usually a newsletter it could be Um, if you've got a product like uh, free shipping or 10% off, those emails can get 320% more revenue compared to like your standard sales campaign.
0: Wow. 320% more revenue. Yeah. That's uh, money for jam as we like to call it, (laughs) isn't it? And setting up those sequences does require a little bit of thought but again I I heard you talk about setting up a sequence recently and I can't I, I don't know if it was in relation to one of the launches I don't recall but you said you sat down you wrote the whole sequence in in an hour hour and a half it takes a little bit of planning and a little bit of effort but then it's done and you've got that genuine conversation happening with your subscriber that's relevant And bringing you back into that high revenue earning statistic, that 320% or that um, $1 spent for $42 gained, all those beautiful numbers that we want to know. Incredible. Now, there's a really important question that I'd like to ask you. And I'm going to ask you what a Chad is. (laughs) And you can give me his full name. Or his full persona and uh, the others that sit along Chad in the group. But for the uninitiated, it's we're going to talk about how we engage with our clients through email and the frequency, perhaps, that we should engage
1: with our clients. So tell me about Chad. Chad. I have a soft spot for Chad. I also feel like I'm a Chad magnet. Um, half my clients are a Chad. So a good way to think about a Chad, and again, I'm a notorious data, that being said, I'm very single <laughs> at the moment, but a Chad is someone like, okay, let's think about Tinder, gorgeous guy or gorgeous person, and he's just out there swiping and swiping and swiping, and he's not actually doing anything with these people, he's just collecting them, and he's like, oh no, I'll just wait, and he's just building up his stack of people. And I really feel for Chad because, you know, Chad wants to meet someone. But what ends up happening is Chad gets in this like, let me just get all of these matches. So in email land, let me get all of these subscribers. And then when I have a large enough amount of people, then I'll do something about it. So, you know, let me wait until I've got 500 people on my list and then I'll email. So what happens with Chad is Chad now has this big stack of people and he's going back in his stack and he decides to message someone that he matches with three months ago. That's not going to go down well because the person's going to be like, why have you left me here? And Chad also is terrible because he doesn't realize when he sends these campaigns, these campaigns, these messages, he sends them at like you know, at five o'clock on a Friday when he's like, oh, it's prime date time. I have no date. Let me go and, and look at someone. So, where this happens in email land is we, we wait. We want to build all of our people up. We're so focused, say, on, you know, selling or promoting or telling our Instagram. And then it just gets to that like final ball hair moment where we're like, shit, our email list. And then we send an email to our subscribers and it takes us what feels like hours to do. And then we get no money, no clicks, but we somehow get 25 unsubscribes. And we're like, hang on, email's Mm -hmm. meant to be good. I'm doing all the right things. So that's what a Chad is. He has the best intentions. And the reason I have a soft spot is Chad is usually a beginner that hasn't had the strategy at the start, and they become a Chad. Because if a beginner had the right strategy – they would have the foundations, they would see the return and they would be in good habits where Chad believes that, you know, they can't do anything until they have enough people. And then they get stuck in this cycle of list building or match collecting before they then do something with it. Because we have this idea that, you know, I need all of these people to get a successful outcome. So in online dating, I need to have 300 people that I've matched with to get a date when realistically you don't. You just need one person. (laughs) Email's the same. (laughs) It is such a good analogy and I use
0: it all the time when I talk about Peter, professional babe, and give good email. I tell people not to be a Chad. Don't be a Chad. What do they need to be? Who do they need to be?
1: Oh, Valerie. So, we've got our our Valerie, our Valerie the veteran. She's the expert. She's doing all things right. My Valeries are so funny because I work with them and they're doing such a good job. I'll look at what they're doing. I'm like, shit, they're doing more than me. And they'll be like, how can I do better? And I'm like, Valerie, you're doing so well. You made $40,000 last month. Like, just keep doing what you're doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think one of the really nice things about people when they join give good email or work with you, they learn these personas or archetypes in their business and then you start that strategy, that planning strategy from where they're at because we don't want them to be a Chad, we want them to be a Valerie and doing all the good things and and making the money and no one likes a Chad. So I use the Chad analogy far more than what I should Again, obviously, I've been listening a lot to your podcast, which I absolutely love. And I was interested to learn that you use Pinterest too as part of your strategy. Are you still using Pinterest or was that in relation to a particular campaign that you were looking to develop?
1: It's so funny. Do you know sometimes when you park something and then you forget about it and then you're talking about Pinterest? I'm like, yeah, that's on the to-do list. It is something that I'm going to do again, absolutely. I love it personally because I feel that I have such a visual brand and people have always commented on the visual aspect of Professional Babe and how it's very editorial and they love it. And that's actually what brings them in. And it's so funny, I see this in Facebook groups that people will say, I love your website. I just couldn't help but like click around and have a look at it. And, you know, it it cost a lot of money. There was a lot of development in there, but it got me thinking then if people are attracted to this, we need to have the brand on a visual platform, which is Pinterest, which is going to be moving forward part of my strategy because I think pins have a longer lifespan and it's something that. You know, you think about it. Like I get really obsessive stalkerish, where if I love a brand, I will go down to the start of their Instagram feed and I want to look at everything. People don't usually do that or maybe they do. Maybe I will come out first and then everyone will follow and say, I too do this. <laughs> but you think about it, Pinterest, like pins don't do that. Like you could be pinning something that's like five years old. Yeah. And I like that it kind of just has like a longer lifespan. One of my incredible friends, Lucy from Homebody Club. And this is just wild to me. This was back in 2020. She actually did a Pinterest masterclass for my clients at the time. And at the time, she was getting 2 million monthly hits on Pinterest. Wow! And she's had to have some time off her business. She's like got married, she's moved. And when I say time off her business, I think it's been like about a year, maybe a year and a half. Mm -hmm. She came up in conversation the other day and I looked at her Pinterest and she still had 400,000 monthly views. So yes, it had gone down, but she hadn't done anything because the lifespan of the pin is just so long. People were still on there. And when I saw that, I was like, I really have to actually take this seriously. So it's funny you said that because something that I love is not spending all my time in this like content creation mode. Sales is so important. So I need to make sure that I'm very smart and very strategic with how that looks.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really valid point. I love influencer marketing, but it can become very bubbly and creators can be hyper-focused on this constant content creation to beat the algorithm when there's often other ways to continue to build their audience and get return on their investment. And Pinterest, there's a lot of community groups that I'm in, different creator niches who use Pinterest so well so well. And uh, I'm going to go and revisit that because it has the longevity. It has the click throughs. There's a lot more customization opportunities and it sits there forever and reshared forever, as you say. So, well, I guess we can both watch this space and see how our own efforts go there. But you also speak about socials as a good way to drive subscribers to grow your email list as a good tactic because if creators are starting from scratch and they don't have an existing subscriber base, they do have an audience that they can funnel into building their email
1: list, don't they? Absolutely. Like the thing is I love email, but you need a top of funnel strategy of people discovering you in the first place. So for a lot of people that's Instagram, you know, if you or a writer, you could get really good SEO by putting stuff up on on your blog. If you're a really smart content creator, which I, I know you are, you repurpose it. So it'll be on your blog. It will be on your podcast. It will be on your Instagram, but you've kind of got to have something that really works for you. And I tell my clients all the time, I'm like, Really utilize how you like to show up and don't think that you have to do everything. But I always tell clients, I'm like, if you are, if you have a beautiful visual brand, go to Pinterest, because I think sometimes we think, let me go to where's popular. And the best example that I could use here is, have you ever been to like a concert or something and there's like so many women and you want to go to the bathroom and the line for the women's toilet is just hectic, right? And then there's like no one in the guys. And I was like, fuck it. I'll just, I'll go use the guys. So Instagram, like it's very popular, but this is where you could just go and use something else and get a a quicker result. (laughs) You are the analogy queen.
0: (laughs) I love it. It's so true, right? (laughs) It's so true. I'm just going to pause on that because that is one of the best Analogies I've heard in a while when we talk about social. And while I compose myself, I'll probably take this moment to say you do have a stunning editorial feel to your work. Uh, I'll I'll put all the links to Peter's channels in our show notes and the resources. But a recent launch that you did you know, you went out and you bought the pink cowboy hat and you shot on Polaroid. You've got a distinct look and feel to your brand. And it's something that drew me to you, probably a year or so ago now. And yeah, I I just love the way that you created that content yourself as a content creator. You're very true to how your brand sits, and that carries through your verbal discussions, your podcasts, your branding, the whole thing. It's. Enviable, I think. I love it. You can see your editorial background coming through in that. You spoke about your freebie earlier. I think it's, is it called Come Up With a Year of Email Content Ideas? That's a freebie you've got? Yeah, our shit hot
1: email content planner. (laughs) Yeah. Talk me through it. How can we be shit hot on email? Oh, it's so easy. You just, you know what? You just need some good ideas and you just need to just get that shit out of your head and into an email and don't overthink it. That's one thing I'm going to say is you just need some good central ideas. Don't feel that you need these, oh, like templated newsletters with all these different sections. One thing I like to tell my clients is you can look at people who kill it on email, like Marie Folio, Denise Duffield-Thomas, they send plain black and white text emails. Yep. Now, obviously, if you are a creator, if, if you're a foodie, if you've got recipes, you are going to have visuals. But just it's the kind of thing where it's like that less is more. You can have this beautiful central image, maybe one or two max, have some words and remember the purpose of the email, which is to get people to that next step. Now, one of the things that I always notice with my clients is ideas are a real cock blocker. <laughs> and people will be like, I have nothing to say. And I'm like, you have so much to say. Like, you get on Instagram stories and you say heaps of stuff. So this content planner, it starts with prompts. I think from memory you can get get like 100 prompts. Now, it's not going to be applicable for every person in every industry, but... One thing I'll say is the first part of any creative process is just allow it to be messy and the ideas and the storyboarding, you're not going to use everything that goes up there, but it's just about getting everything out and in front of you, which is what this is designed to do. So when you've got those ideas, then you get to plug this into a content planner. I have a little acronym, which is Tavo, So it stands for Trust, Authority, Value and Offers and where I find clients will fall down or they feel like that they're not actually seeing a return with their emails. It's because the tarvo is a bit off. So what this might look like is they are constantly sending trust building emails. They're just being like, here, just, just trust me. Or they're, they're sitting in value. So every email is a freebie, but they're not actually explaining how people can work with them. Or every email is a blatant sales pitch. Now, I believe that you should and you could sell in every email if you want. It's just about how you do it. So, for example, you could have like a beautiful trust building piece, which is this really personalized like story or something about your background or your why. And then in the PS, there could be a little call to action or you could link to whatever offering or whatever you have. So it doesn't need to be a big sales email, but it it is nice to sell. So what it will get you to do, and there's a little video that will walk you through this. It just gets you to, you know, put on there an idea. So if we have our idea that comes up, awesome. Is this going to be a trust building piece? Are we going to be showing authority, value, offers? And then the last thing, and this is probably the most important thing, It will get you to put a success metric on every single email. So what this means is how do we know that the email is successful? Now, where I find people again get into some problems is we try to do too much in an email. So we try to get people to reply, but we want them to click this link, but we don't want them to just click that link. We want them to click three other links. And this is where, and I am so guilty of this, I'll open an email with the best intentions to read it. And I'm like, oh, I don't have time right now. Let me look at it later. And I never look at it later. I I always open it and I delete it. So this is where you're you're much better off to have more regular campaigns. As you said, you've gone to two a week so send them more regularly have them shorter have them very relevant and really just be so discerning of when we're actually crafting these campaigns We've got that beautiful success metric tied. So, you know, I'm going into this and I want clicks or I'm going into this and I want to sell this program and you'll find you'll actually be able to cut down your email writing time because you're going to know like the exact how you want this to look and the exact result. So there's not going to be this like guesswork. You're just going to basically get in, get out and like get down to business.
0: I love it, Tavo. Absolutely, because <laughs> sometimes you've got to ask for the date, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, you've got to mix it up a little bit. Okay, so we can grab that awesome freebie. If we want a little bit more to learn more about making money and streamlining sales and automating our onboarding and scaling our business, is that what you work through in Give
1: Good Email? It absolutely is. And it's where all the cool kids start. It's where you started. (laughs) It is. It is. I
0: am a almost graduate of the program. It's absolutely fantastic. I enrolled in that last year. I think it was maybe
1: November or December last year. I'll need to go back and check. November launch. And I remember our email chain. And I remember even what you had for, it was either breakfast or lunch. Do you remember what you had? Oh, Rats. was it to- was it toast and jam? No, you had two chocolate ripple biscuits, and I think it was a coffee or it was a cup of tea. And I read it and I cracked up laughing, and I wrote back straight away, and I was like, "You're my kind of person." <laughs> okay. Well, I know one of us is telling the truth and it's probably you yeah.
0: <laughs> because having two chocolate ripple biscuits and a cup of coffee for breakfast is totally me. Not always, but some days, some days you just got to do it. And it was probably because of that question you asked at the beginning and I, I had genuinely had that. I thought, I need to share this with Peter. And that was a tactic that I really liked for your engagement rate because that's something that you use in your emails, particularly in that early onboarding process is write back and tell me this or write back and tell me that. And it was a quirky, fun engagement thing. So, they are the things that you teach and give good
1: email. Yeah, I think people think, oh, when we start to learn something techie like email, it's going to be really boring. But quite often it's so fun and it's tactics like it, exactly. You're right. Like getting you to reply and tell me what you had for breakfast was a deliverability and an engagement tactic. So, you know, we don't need to like fondle software and do all of this hectic stuff. We can do fun things like ask our subscribers what they have for breakfast. And trust me, it's never what you think. I've never heard anyone say I've had eggs on toast. The yeah. stuff is – it's its always wild and I'm always like I'll sometimes read them out at work. I'll be like, oh, my God, someone had a kebab. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know – I'm like, I didn't even know kebab shops were open because you can see them, right? It's like 7 in the morning. I'm like, where are you getting a kebab from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I feel sane. <laughs> I feel seen,
0: yeah. And you take us through that journey in give good email. You get us to identify our persona, whether we are a Valerie or a Chad and and like what's our starting point? And I think that's a really nice entry to learning about email marketing is that really establishing where you're at now. And there's no... Shame in it that you are starting at zero and you're right there at the beginning, or you know, you are a chat and you've been building your, your list, but you're not doing anything with it. And then the pathway through Give Good email is about building on where you're at now and exploring where you want to be and why you want to be there, not just where, but why. And then you take us through all those strategies to make the money
1: and streamline our sales and just make it easy. Exactly, because I think sometimes, you know, as businesses, as business owners, as influencers, you know, it's our job to be seen, it's our job to make money. And I think sometimes we can just get so bogged down with the details that it prevents us from from making money. So I tell everyone, I have the best job in the world. I love making money, I love it, But I love making my clients money. And when you see people in the Facebook group and they're like, oh, my gosh, we just had a $40,000, you know, launch or I sent an email and I made $12,000. And, you know, these are single moms or these are people with kids at home or these are people that are like building their business, not wanting to work 100 hours a week, but still getting the results. And it's just it's so lovely to see it's yeah, I have the best job in the world.
0: I love it. I love it too. (laughs) And they're building their own platform. Yes. And they're converting that into hard money. And I love it too. I am always saying to people, you've got to make sure that you diversify your channels. It's brilliant to have a social platform and an audience there. But if you are not shifting your audience into an own channel, which you then convert into that email channel, then... You are going to have five minutes of fame. It is not sustainable. Someone's coming through behind you and they're going to take that share of market, those dollars off the audience. It it happens all the time. We've spoken a lot about some juicy metrics, which I love, and why people, influencers, should start moving an audience into their email marketing strategy. In wrapping up, I know this might be hard, but what is, what's a great piece of advice you'd like to close out our discussion today?
1: I think a lot of the time people don't want to email because they worry about pissing people off. But as I always tell my clients, would you rather lose two subscribers or make $10,000? Yeah, incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know what, it's that simple. So I always think that we all have huge goals in business. For some of us, it's money related. For some of us, it's lifestyle related. But remembering that money affords a particular lifestyle that we want. And I truly believe that a business's hidden profit and growth potential is in the email list. So rewrite any stories that you might have, like your list isn't big enough or you don't want to piss people off because, you know, the best way to look at it is just think about how often you pick your phone up and you just will pop a story up on Instagram and you don't think anything about it. We want to start to get to that point with email because that is where the the money is and the potential for your wonderful business growth.
0: Incredible words of advice and something that I didn't add earlier in the conversation piece that I will probably close out on now is that that email strategy takes so little time compared to the effort of making social content and it's really really easy to implement so i think that people really should start with the freebie get the download i'll provide the links for peter's download her podcast the business fondle and professional babe website so listeners can grab all of those resources peter I would like to chat to you all day because (laughs) I know the results that you deliver. You know, there's a lot of people out there that talk the talk, but you actually walk the talk. I am part of that group and I see all those messages where people are just killing it and having these five-figure launches, high-five figures, big numbers time and time again so what you're doing is incredible so thank you for taking the time today to share your experience and expertise with us less chads in the world more valeries i'm here for this thanks peter for your
1: time thank you so much i love this